Once upon a time, two men decided if they were making the cut. And then they made the cut. And now JT and Aaron are talking everything from wrestling to pop culture and beyond. Because it's no holds barred. Will you back down, turn and run? Or stand up with the best? No hold board. Jockass. Mm. Not you. You watching a good Property Brothers lately? I've never watched that show, still to this mm. day. Kind of Canadian, I got, my, are you? My t- are they Canadian? I don't know. Probably not. I, we don't really have house building shows. Everyone is just able to do that shit. That's all it is here. Like... That whole channel, TLC or whatever, is just literally real estate shows. It's either it, fixing up, finding a new one, uh, flip this mansion, flip this tiny home, flip this poor house. It's like, like that's all it is. <laughs> literally. Flip this hovel. It's like buy a beach house, buy a farmhouse, buy a, you know, it's like a uh, European house. It's like all this stuff. Like, that's all That's all it is. It's just a huge industry. So I haven't had cable since I think like 2012. Mm-hmm. But what I remember is like TLC gets on like kicks of themes right like for a while it was like okay let's find unusual people and just talk about their lives right little people or or big mm. there's like oh, my 600 pounds. Yes. Right. so it was that for a while ah, there's another one that i can't remember it was something to do with brides was, is there stuff with brides still going on yeah I, I don't know there's all different channels now like you know it's like uh but yeah the bride show still exists too or like the 90 day fiance or whatever but um maybe it's not tlc that has all the home shows maybe it's something else but i don't know I, I know there's like one of these channels is literally that's all it is it's like prop uh oh hgtv hgtv is all just that tlc i think is more of the stuff you were saying like the weight loss and the bride show and the pimple popper and all that stuff <laughs> that dog is dog the bounty hunter on there too yeah he was on a and e a and e did on a lot art of shows well so a and e because I, they were one of my clients and I worked with Scott. They started like around the time I was there in the early 2000s. They made a shift from a lot of like the biography stuff, which was their bread and butter. Um, and like kind of, I don't call it prestige shows, but that type of stuff to more um, reality. Like they started doing, they were one of the earlier adapters of like the reality shows. Like remember they had the one called... Um, it was like airline or whatever or airport. It was like about Southwest. It was a reality show that took place all at airports with Southwest Airlines. And like they started doing more and more of that type of stuff. And that's where Dog Intervention was on there. Mm. Um, I think the Hoarders was on there. So like they were one of the big early adapters of that. Live PD eventually was on there. And then they created the Biography Channel, which was more of like all biographies. Is is Cold Case Files on there? I think it was. Yeah. I love that guy's voice. Mm. Like, I feel, I just feel soothed, even though he's talking about brutal murders. Right. Well, you know, he wants to make it easy to listen to. Or maybe the idea of brutal murders is what's soothing. Maybe it excites him. Never considered that, but that feels like a distinct possibility now. Well, it kind of feels like trying to make this list of 100 WWE uh, wrestlers of all time. Wait, wait. So we're not <laughs> listing the top A&E shows of all time on this episode? I mean, we can. Third Watch would be up there. But that was actually an NBC show. Uh, they stole it. Yeah. Uh, all right. So this is our second month going through our GWE Revisited five years later project. On our first episode, we talked about guys and ladies that either just made the cut or missed the cut or that dropped off our list uh, as others were added. We went through probably, what, like 20 names or so each? 15, 20? Yeah, a lot. Yeah. So this month, we're going to start going through 10 at a time. And uh, with the goal of when we hit December being the month we finalize our list. So think of this as like kind of our work in progress each month. This is kind of where we stand now after pulling our list from 17 and just kind of taking an initial hack at it. By December, our goal will be to kind of go over things and like, what are we moving? What are we finalizing to submit the list? Exactly. Uh, Now, did you in your in your uh, the next ones we're going to do, did you move anybody up from last time we talked? No, I had marked a few. Um, yeah, I did end up adding who I don't think I had originally the Cole Gargano Champa group. I moved uh, them up okay. quite a bit. 
Yeah. And uh, I did. Uh, I had omitted Drew McIntyre and Big Bob Lashley, so I moved them. They, they won't be show up today. They, they're up pretty high. Um, so we'll get to them eventually. But yeah, so I did have a couple drops. Like I had to cut Samoa Joe. We didn't, hadn't talked oh. about him on my list, but he uh, he dropped. So, but otherwise, I think that was the main changes. Yeah, I, I I haven't changed anything since either. Like, I have a couple people I might want to put on, but I figure I'll do that at the end. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I feel st- that I'm going to stay strong, though, on Pat Patterson and Pedro Morales. <laughs> Patterson, I think Patterson's the one you're missing on. I ended up dropping Pedro, too, but hmm. I think I think Patterson probably. I mean, just on the base of the, like, alley fight alone probably should be on there. And, you know, plus the other good stuff he's got with Backland and whatnot. Should the alley fight? Oh. Yeah, the one with him in Slaughter. Oh, okay, because I heard Ali, and I'm like, he fought Muhammad Ali. <laughs> <laughs> the Ali fights. Yeah. Mustafa Ali, actually. They fought a couple of years ago. Before and died. that fucker is still complaining about not being pushed. Mm. He got to fight Pat Patterson. In his final days. How many guys do you think Pat Patterson fought backstage or had to fight him off? Mm. All right, so let's start with number 100. So this is a guy that I had in 96 last year. So And I debated cutting him off the list. But I feel like he's got enough big stuff. He's enough of a character with a load of jump up moments. And I've been watching a lot of 99 lately, and he's really good in 99. So I feel like I couldn't really drop him. Uh, so it was down to him and Yoko. Yoko's the one I cut to 101. So my new 100 is Kane. Uh, oh. I, again, I feel like he was real close to me, but because of all the bad, but I do think he's got enough good that he deserves. And he's such a big enough character um, for over 20 years that he deserves to be recognized as one of the top 100. Uh, yeah. So I have him at 94. Okay. So we're, we're not far off. And yep. I remember last time I was telling you, it's like, I don't really cut guys from like my bottom 10. Right. Yeah. I end up cutting them later because I find like the bottom 10 guys in the, out of the hundred, I mean, so 91 to hundred, um, I feel like those guys are guys that kind of have to be on the list. Right. But like, but I like, but they don't, it's like, I can't justify cutting them to put somebody else who deserves to be on the list off. Right. So like, for instance, when I had Morales last year or, or five years ago, Morales was at 73. Right. Right. And it's like, okay, do we put him in this bottom 10? Cause I feel he has to be on the list, but I, he was never in the bottom 10. So I was right. like, oh, okay. Like, I think when I finally cut him, he was probably like 89. Right. And I'm like, okay, he's gone kind of thing. Yeah, I'm kind of in the same place um, with some of these. I did cut some of the bottom end, like like John Morrison. And like I said, Yoko ended up going. It killed me, but Shamrock. But yes, a bulk of the ones in the 90s, I just slid down toward the end here, but they're staying. Yeah. All right, yeah. so who's your number 100? My number 100 is the same number 100 that I had last time because mm-hmm. I find he's a guy that, I mean, <laughs> it's Santino Morella. Yeah. So I just think he's the best comedy character of all time. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think he actually does have some pretty good jump up moments too. Yep. Um, he, I mean, him, him almost winning that rumble is really cool. Uh, but I think the elimination chamber with uh, Daniel Bryan is even better. Yeah, that's great. Uh, and like, just, it really showed that, you know, if they wanted to, at some point he probably could have had a run. Yeah, I think so. Uh, he's he's not on my list, but I don't begrudge you including him toward the end here because, yes, he has uh, had some excellent moments. And really, it was during an era where the roster was kind of thin. So he did get like a ton of TV time week to week. I think by the end, they just made him like too goofy. And this is it's not just related. It's not just a wrestling thing. It's like an overall even like a sitcom thing when a sitcom reaches its final stages everyone becomes almost like the dumbest possible version of themselves. Like even on Seinfeld season nine, right? Like, which is arguably the greatest show of all time. The the character is almost too dumb to be real. And I feel like at the end, like that's where Santino was with the, the way he would walk and move. And like, it almost became such a caricature that his final couple of years almost turned me off. And I think that's kind of when the chamber stuff happens is like during that. So he does have these flashes still, I think, I think the way to salvage him would have been at some point to um, have him just admit that a lot of the way he acted was just to get time and become like a serious like character. Cause he did have the chops to wrestle, to work. And I'm not saying eschew the comedy altogether, but like 
or or just have someone focus them or something like, hey man, like if we can get your mind right, here's here's some ADHD <laughs> medicine, right? Like like something like that, like and and like maybe th- make that the character to get him back straightened out because I think by the end he just became such a goof that it was almost like too much. But there was a sweet spot in there, like during the Glamazon stuff and all that, oh, where right. he was excellent with the Honka meter and the Jared from Subway and all that stuff. Like there was some really good stuff in that oh eight oh nine stretch. Um, that really clicked. It just got like, he almost just got too stupid after a while. Now I will say that when he gets real stupid, he's on the show way less. Right. So at least like, they're just kind of using him sparingly and, and stuff like that. And I remember going to see a house show in 2012 and he, I think he opened the show and he felt like when I was watching it, like a really, like a, almost the perfect opening act. Right. He comes out, everybody's happy to see him. Everybody's screaming for him. You know, like his spots are silly and, but I don't know, like, I'll never forget the tea party where with Seamus, which was, a gr- I thought, a great segment with him and Kozlov. Mm-hmm. Um, I love uh, the, the two matches we talked about. Um, I, I love the Glamazon stuff. I think his weakest stuff is actually his debut. Yeah, well, he just has no personality. Um, yeah. You know, he's got the win over Umaga. But then there's even a fun match later in 07 uh, that we're hitting on. Yeah, you know, on PTB now, like where he gets destroyed again by Umaga to lose the title, which yeah. is pretty good. So, uh, but yeah, then he doesn't do too much until he figures out that character. And it's really with Beth, but even like, I was never super crazy about like the Santina stuff in 09 and all that either. Like it felt like a little too much try hard. I don't know. Like I felt that like if anybody could make it work, it was him. Like I, uh, yeah, I, I'm not even saying it didn't work. I just didn't yeah. really enjoy it. I, I will say I, the reason the big reason I want to give him props is because they try comedy characters all mm-hmm. the time and yep. they're never good. Right. <laughs> I think the fact that he could work is what helped it. <laughs> like he was yeah. just believable and he wasn't just a goof to be a goof. Like he was goofy, but was still believable enough then to work a match. Right. So like it wasn't like Eugene where you had to take a real leap of faith, like to believe in it, that this guy would be good in the ring and almost made it like he was a savant where, where Santino was just a weirdo that could wrestle. Yeah. And, and would dance around like he was playing the trumpet. Yep. All right. Who's well. your 99? Uh, so my 99 is a guy who last time was at 99. So I kept him right where he was. And that's Hacksaw Jim Duggan. Oh, uh, again, I feel like he, he deserves to be on the list. He's such a paramount character in the early years. He's had, uh, you know, he's on that list, right? I think if you ask people randomly that aren't wrestling fans anymore to name wrestlers from the 80s, like he'd probably come up. And everyone knows the hoe, the American flag, a lot of moments and not not many matches, but a lot of moments and just an indelible character. Yeah, I got him way higher. Yeah. Like, he's just one of those guys that like, I mean, I know our friend Scott hates him, but but like he's one of those guys that like just seem to make everybody happy. Right. Like and super always super over. And I don't think his matches are as bad as people want to. I thought he was a pretty decent brawler. Even like when I go back and watch, like, yeah, now, like it's just he it, it's so weird how protected he was. Right. And he does get saddled with guys that just aren't as interesting either. Like he spends a lot of time with Dino Bravo. Right. He's got the pay-per-view match of Bad News Brown. Like it's just guys that don't super mesh with him in these matches. But like he's super fun at SummerSlam 89 when he's in there with the towers. And he has some great stuff with Andre at the house shows in 88. Like that's a really good few that's overlooked. He's, he's really good in 80, 88. Like that, that's his best year. I think after that, he kind of starts to get dumbed down. Um, and just does more simplistic brawling as the, as the days go on, but for yeah. a bit there, and even his stuff with slaughter in 91 is pretty good too. So he's got, I, agree. In there. I think too, that like us watching him on now entering the Royal rumble has mm-hmm. kind of, uh, pumped him up a bit in my eyes. Yeah. Like just seeing how much energy he gave in those matches and mm-hmm. like, I, you know, there's something, I mean, nobody, anybody on the roster now, like nowadays would kill to be as over as he was. Right. Like, and he wasn't even the most over guy on the show, but there's just something really intangible about him. He felt like an every man that you could get behind. Like I, I'll always have a spot for Jim Duggan on this kind of list. Yep. Agreed. I-99 is a guy you cut, but I can't cut him because he's too influential. And that's Ken Shamrock. It killed me to cut him because I do love him so much. Um, yeah, like he's my one 100 B. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, like it's a short spurt, but mm-hmm. like he's really good in everything he does. Yep. Like there's no I, I don't think you have the 
you don't have the super high level matches, but I think he wasn't really put in a position to have those. Right. Like all of his matches were pretty short, you know, with the, ex- I mean, I guess you, I don't want to, I don't know how much credit you want to give him for the Canadian stampede because that's probably the best match he's in. Uh, but, but he's, he's this entirely new and different character that they'd never had before mm-hmm. in terms of being a shooter. Right. He looked legit. He, he's a guy you feel could win the world title at any point. Like then yep. it's almost like they never had to heat him up or cool him off. Like, no, know. he just existed on the same plane his entire run is just whether or not he was a face or a heel. Yeah. And he was good at both. Mm-hmm. I thought he was good as a face and good as a heel. Uh, but, you know, more than any of those things, I think the the fact that he brought in a bit more of the realism of the MMA world in terms of tapping out and really putting submissions to the forefront a bit more. Yeah, uh, which are which is so huge now. It's such a big now. Everybody has a submission and a finisher, kind of almost right. And a tap out. I mean, yeah, the tap out didn't exist in wrestling until 1997 when he introduced it. Well, and the tap out is what made submissions exciting, right? I think because as a fan, you you always had to wait for the ref to signal for the bell, yep. right? But this you could actually there's a visual cue for the fall. Which I think is really good, and you can have near falls, um, excuse me, false finishes off it, or, or um, uh, what am I looking for? Um, visual victories off of it. Like mm-hmm. it's just this whole new thing that he brought in, and I think he really deserves credit for it. Like he's a guy who should be in the WWE Hall of Fame. Like I, I think he really kind of gets a bit shafted when it comes to influence. No, I agree, a hundred percent. I wish he'd made it. Hundred and one percent. Hundred one percent. I wish he would have came back at some point for some kind of run. Like it sucks that he never did you know in like the 2000s i've always mentioned like him versus angle would have been awesome or just against any of these guys like just like everyone has made her come back in a run you know and he's still in great shape like i've seen him at conventions and stuff and he he had little blips with tna and whatnot it's like if he would have came back at oh you know or 10 or 11 had a match with punk or something or even him and cena like during cena's renaissance it's like you're telling me you couldn't pull out a two or three match stretch of just going out there and throwing out a dream match. It sucks that we never got that from him. It is such a short run, but yeah, his stuff, even in 99 holds up well with Blackman. Those are a lot of fun. Those matches, the lion's den stuff with Owen in 98 and then Robo Shamrock is wonderful too. I, I, I think the only down stretch is his team with boss man at the end of 98 into early 99. But other than that, it's all, it's all great. Yeah, it, it is a down spot, but it, they're also part of the hottest angle. Oh, for sure. Yeah. So it's just the it, matches kind of suck. That's all. Yeah. But they're an important cog, right? I love yeah. that. Like Vince, like every company needs a dangerous man. Right. Yeah. So, yeah, he's 99. He's down one spot from uh, where I had him. Uh, excuse me. Oh, so down more than one spot. He's down, uh, God, 11 spots from where I had him last time. Right. So you're just having him to have him at this point. But you got him. Exactly. There. But I, he's one of those guys I can't take off. All right, my 98 is down from 95 from last time, and that is Goldberg. So I wanted to keep him on the list, mainly on the back of uh, the WrestleMania match with Brock, which is great. And I know like his stuff, the last cu- couple of runs hasn't been as good, and it started to be diminishing returns. So I don't know, another couple of years maybe changes. But I do think like there's just enough moments in there in both across all his runs that he at least deserves to be recognized. Um, and I could see a world where I swap him out for Shamrock, maybe, but I just think like that's literally like, the greatest big man sprint they've ever done. Was that WrestleMania 33? Yeah, uh, I did not have Goldberg on my list last time, mm-hmm. uh, but I put him on for this one, and he's a bit higher. Yep. Um, he, we won't be talking about him today. Higher kind of thing. Okay. Hold on. Um, yeah, for all the reasons you said, like I, I actually think his run. It, I don't think his run in 2003 and what it is is his fault at all. No, and there's still some good stuff in there. I mean, yeah. if they make that one small change and have him win the chamber, like it's remembered completely differently. Oh, definitely. And maybe don't lock him into 25-minute matches Correct. with people. Like, I mean, I like the match with The Rock. It's interesting, but it's too long for a Goldberg match. Right. Um, and yeah, I think I do agree that he's kind of diminishing returns. I really like the 2016-2017 run you were talking about. Mm-hmm. And I think there's some things that are interesting in this this latest run. Right. Like I quite enjoy when he came back and killed Dolph yep. at SummerSlam. I thought that was really neat. Um, I don't think we need him winning. I don't think we need him beating the fiend. No. To win the universal title. I mean, do you think that killed off the fiend more than Seth Rollins? I don't know. I think it all sucked, <laughs> but it was over, right? It was, right. It was super over. And then it wasn't as over. 
right? Yeah, the thing with Goldberg is he didn't need a world title to be involved in any of these big matches. That's the key with him. No. Did you watch the Crown Jewel match with Lashley? Yeah, that was a really good one, right? I haven't seen it yet. So was it, it was good, that, yeah? I think so. Because SummerSlam is a shaky one, right? Yeah. And then, yeah. of course, you also have that shaky Undertaker match in Saudi Arabia. <laughs> right. I'm pretty sure the Lashley second one's pretty good. Well, it's kind and... of like a no-holds-barred everything goes, right? Correct. And he's got the huge jump-up moment when he beat Brock at Survivor Series. Like, that was awesome. When he beat him in, like, 30 seconds or whatever. That whole first run is jump-up moments. Because yep. he beats Brock. He eliminates him from the Rumble. Yep. He, he wins the Universal title against Owens, which I didn't really like, but whatever. And then he the match with Brock at Mania is great. Yes. So, yeah. Um, yeah, so I, I got love for Goldberg on this one that I didn't really have last time. When mm-hmm. we did it, I think he had just had... I don't know where I maybe I just didn't appreciate that run as much as I did on rewatch. Right. Yeah. Because that would have been that year with that stuff. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And it's weird. It's weird that I put him on now after we have the diminishing return stuff. Yeah. I mean, I love that media match immediately. I was there like I was super hyped for it. It's like one of my favorite live matches ever. So I knew like right away he was I think he made it solely for that. Well, that match is just it's a perfect example of just playing to each guy's strength. Right, it completely made up for 20. I mean, that was like their makeup for that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, who's your 98? So 98 is a guy who wasn't on my list last year. He was probably a kind of a, a very close cut, but I don't even think we talked about him. But I think that his he just has to be on because the influence of this team is so huge now, and that's Xavier Woods. Um, I think the New Day is – I mean, when we did the, t- the tag teams – I think we had them when we did our list together. I think mm-hmm. we had them second or third. Yeah, they were definitely right? top three. Yep. Yeah. And I think back then there was an argument to be made that they could be one. Right. Right. I think that's still true. Uh, uh, maybe even more so now because they've, they've kept going. Right. Mm-hmm. But I think there's such a huge team, such a huge part of the show for the last God, almost 10 years now. And he's kind of the mouthpiece of the group, but also a pretty decent worker. Right. Plus you throw in his whole King stuff now. And they seem to be doing a little more with him. I just think that like the New Day as a whole needs to be on the list in one form or another. He's my lowest of them, but um, I think he's a really important cog in the company because it's an act I have enjoyed despite not liking a lot of the modern stuff. Yeah, actually, I'm in 94, so right around the same area. And I, I agree with you. Like The New Day has to be represented on here as um, arguably one of the top tag teams of all time if not the top one of the top acts and yeah he's a driving force in a lot of the good on the show like yes the shows aren't great now and you could argue well he's all over them they're not good but like their stuff is always some of the best stuff on a week 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 to week shows so yeah and also if you want to put in some of like the intangibles like he's a really good um really brilliant guy right like a vibrant guy he does a lot of appearances he's got the video game stuff and not that we're factoring a ton of that in but that all kind of goes toward his presence and character as a guy and representing the company um he's just like an out like a a great role model i guess what i'm trying to say for what they're trying to look in in a big guy right so yeah he doesn't have the size and look at biggie which is why biggie's the world title guy right and he's not but i mean you don't have a run like he's had unless you're really you know, adding a ton of value and a really guy, a guy who's beloved like backstage and doesn't cause issues, et cetera, et cetera. But he's also not never been afraid to not voice his opinion on stuff. Like when it came to the Twitch stuff and all that, like he takes stands. So he's just a really high quality guy. He's like a Miz level on that, that type of stuff, right? Where you can stick him out on a show and he's not going to embarrass the company. He's going to do a great job. And on top of it all, yes, he's one of the top acts of recent memory and um, of all time and also a solid in-ring worker. And him bridging the gap to like nerd culture a bit more. Yep, yep. That's all is, part of it. Is valuable. Yes. Right? That's a valuable asset to the company. I don't like the way he holds a microphone like it's a wine glass. <laughs> yep. Uh, but whatever. I won't ding him too much for that. But but yeah, I think if, if he were to have like a nice like two, three year run here where he puts on like decent quality singles matches, maybe with a couple of classics, right. I could see him moving quite a bit up this list. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I don't think he's super old either, right? I think... I think he's a pretty young guy, like in his 30s still maybe. But he's been around forever. That's what I mean. So he's got like a lot of experience and name value. Yeah. But he's also, you know, he could be around like another 10 years. Yeah. So he's born in 86. He's only 35. So, and with his style, like he could definitely be around for a long time and just keep oh, yeah. doing his thing. Yeah. Because, you know, he was like, even with his TNA stuff, his consequences creed. Like, it's just, he feels like someone who's part of the wrestling zeitgeist 
for as right. long as I can remember. Yep. All right. So my number 97 is one of my biggest drops on the list. He was at 79 last time. Ooh. And that is King Harley Race, who I kept in here on the strength of some of those matches I watched, like in the MSG stretch on PTB. Like he's got a lot of fun stuff. Love his bumping, his style. I think he's super influential as well to uh, guys that came later with kind of the big bump, big spot monkey type style. He's got a couple of jump up moments at WrestleMania 3. He's got the Sirenus Man event match with Hogan. He's got the coronation. Plus, um, again, the uh, he's part of that big six man before WrestleMania 3. That's a ton of fun. I think one of the better MSG matches of all time in February of 87. He's a big part of that, too. So he's just a guy that I really always enjoyed watching whenever he popped up. I think he deserves to at least be recognized on this list. And, but, uh, again, I couldn't with everyone I was adding, I couldn't justify having him much higher at this point, but I didn't want to drop him. Right. So I, I don't have him on the list, uh, which I didn't last time either. Uh, but I, I do like him. I think my fa- I think my, my earliest introduction to him was him and Jim Duggan fighting their way through the 37th annual Slammy awards. Yeah, so I mean, like, for a guy that doesn't have a super long run, he's got, like, a bunch of random moments like that that really stand out, you know? Yeah. Uh, No, I like King Harley Race. I love Hogan beating the shit out of him on Saturday Night's main event. Mm -hmm. Um, I wish that the King match with Haku was a bit better. Yeah, he was just so... And that was really at the end of his run, because he goes back to WCW, and I think he wrestles maybe not even another year, and then he's into a manager role. So um, that was, like, he was coming off that injury with the table where he like fucking ripped his insides apart on the table. So I think that was really just like a quick pass the torch. I I think they knew he didn't have much left at that point. Yeah. It's a shame because like, he is one of those kind of quintessential characters of that time too. Mm -hmm. Like, I mean, like I know Vince sold it to him very much. Like you're not going to be the champion. You're going to be the King. And that seems like a fucking used car salesman trying to sell you something. Right. But like, that's an image I remember very well. Right. Like I remember him in the crown. I remember that purple regalia, like, like, I remember the figures. Like, they made a figure, like, two years ago of Harley Race, and it's, like, impossible to find kind of thing. It's super right. expensive. Like, like <laughs> I think he's he does have a bit better of an influence that I probably give him credit for. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I was just at a point where I couldn't take anybody else off to put him on. Right. Yeah, like, he'd probably be just outside my 100. Yep. Again, these are guys that keep saying, you know, I mentioned Shamrock that, like, eh, I probably could have had him over Harley. Probably could have had him over... Goldberg, you know, what I mean, like there's ones that are keep popping up for me that I keep thinking, but yeah, I feel like Harley deserves to be recognized. He deserves to be acknowledged. Acknowledge him. Let him in. Acknowledge my number 97 dropping 11 spots from five years ago. Uh, and that is King Kong Bundy. Ooh, OK. <clears throat> he is not on my list. Uh, like. I, you know, it's uh, the way you described Harley Race mm-hmm. sounds an awful like lot like how I feel about King Kong Bundy. Like when I was a kid, he was like such a threat. Like even though he was kind of like, you know, you don't look at him now, maybe think he's that much of a threat. But like he was such an important part of those early Hulkamania years for me. Right. And then you get the jump up moments. You get him crushing S.G. Jones. You get him main eventing WrestleMania 2 in the cage, which I think is a better match than people give credit for. Um, I, I was told the other day by a good friend of mine that he's never watched WrestleMania 2. Hmm. Sounds like a dream. Like, well, well, here's the thing is that I was I was writing like, well, it's garbage. You haven't missed anything. But then I started kind of thinking about it. And like, I don't think it's that bad a card. Like, no, I think there's it's some just, good stuff in there. Yeah. Well, there's enough good stuff to warrant watching it. Right. Because if you you've ever watch- seen it. Yeah. 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 Like you'll want to watch the battle Royal. You'll want to watch the two tag matches, mm-hmm. the boxing uh, match. Pardon me. The boxing match. Just the boxing match. And I think the main event is actually quite good. I do so like Hogan Bundy quite a bit. I think there's just a few tweaks to that card. Like the yeah. format didn't help. It's overloaded with B level, celeb- C level celebrities. <laughs> C and <is> even generous. <laughs> and the, um, yeah, just misuse of talent here and there. Like if they would have done Tito, and Savage instead of Steel, like that's a win right there. Dump Kirchner and Volkov, dump the women, make better use of Orndorff, you know, like better use of Morocco versus where they're at. Like there's little tweaks they can make to make that pop more. You could even do Orndorff Savage if you don't want to do Tito. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah, there's lots of little things they could do to make it better. So I think that card's okay. I think Bundy's a big part of it. Mm-hmm. I think he was a legit threat to win the title. Um, he kills the midgets at WrestleMania 3, which will always kind of make me laugh in a lot of ways. Uh, well, I get. Yeah. The, the less said about his 95 run, the better. 
I think. It's terrible. I mean, yeah. it drags. <laughs> it's a yeah. pretty big drag because he's just not good in like any of it. And that Mania match is atrocious. But he, um, what also has forgotten though is he has a really good late 87 and early 88. Like he's really good at Survivor Series in that big yes. man match. And in 88, he's got the last gasp where he fights Hogan at Science Mid Event when Andre attacks in the suit. That's yeah. he's fighting Hogan in that match. So yeah, he's got two. He's because the first one he beats Hogan by countout. Yep. With uh, Heenan holding the leg, and then yeah, it's the rematch. Yeah, I love that sequence. And the other thing too is he's got that whole run where he's tagging with Stud mm-hmm. against Hogan and various opponents. So yep. I just think he's just such a unique, interesting character. I, 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 like he's one of those ones where I'm like, ah, do I cut him? But then I kept coming back and thinking like, no, I can't. He's he's just too important. To like, he's also one of those guys that Hogan was able to slay, right? Which added to the mystique of everything. And no, I'm not including John Studd, but like, like I don't know. There's just something intangible with King Kong Bundy, and like he kind of crossed over a bit into pop culture too. Mm-hmm. Like he's married to children. Commercials. Yeah, yeah, he's married to children. So yeah, I, there's a place for him on my list at 97. I added him to the honorable mention, so he's at least his name is on the sheet for me. So, <laughs> okay, number ninety-six, uh, another guy who had a pretty decent-sized drop. He was at seventy-five last time, so he's very similar to Harley for me. That's Bill Leedy, who yeah. I, I know you. I think you mentioned him in the honorable mentions, or someone that you didn't have on the list anymore. But just uh, demolition is so influential as a tag team, the dominant team of the late eighties, so synonymous. Like really. Of the modern era, I, I would argue the most main event level tag team they had. Like, they were the only tag team that could easily cross over. And I'm including the Twin Towers in this because, like, even though they crossed over and had a big feud with Hogan and Savage, they never quite felt like at main event level to me. No. Whereas Demolition, to me, could hang in a big match with Hogan and feel like they belonged. Like, they were the Hogan of the tag division for a while there. And the jump up moment at WrestleMania five and six, those pops when they win the, those two matches are incredible. And four. Um, they pop four. at four too. <laughs> yeah, they had to be turned face because of it. Plus the big moment at Survivor Series 88. And yes, you know, you could take or leave his work as mass superstar in the machines, but those are big angles, especially the machines. Like, I mean, that was a major angle with Andre during his layoff. And again, they're almost like at a main event level for some of that stretch in there. So I, I just think his, his influence in the tag division during it's arguably the golden age of WWF tag teams um, can't be undersold. And like, you know, I, I, I don't have Darcy on the list, but I do have Edie because I think he was the glue that really held that team together. Smash may have been the better worker at times during the demo or more memorable because of just his look. But Screaming. I think Axe to me was always looked at as like the leader, the statesman of the team. And it's not a surprise to me that that team fell apart completely when he was taken out of the mix. So um, yeah, he was the key cog in the greatest team that had maybe like the biggest three year run in company history until they revamped the division again in the two thousands. Do you think it, do you think the team works as Axe and crush? Uh, I don't know. Magic in a bottle with Axe and Smash. A little bit. uh, Probably a little bit Magic in the Bottle with Axe and Crush. Oh, with Axe and Smash. Like, maybe they were just destined to be done by that point anyway because the magic between them. But we only have empirical evidence pointing one way, and that's that he left and the team fell apart. (laughs) I love how you call it empirical. Um, (laughs) Yeah. Well, look, I have him. uh, You mentioned where I had him. I have him at, like, 102, 103. Okay, cool. So we're not far. Um. I just couldn't justify it because I was like, oh, I want to use the mass superstar stuff to kind of boost him onto the list, mm-hmm. but it just never clicked for me. And I think yeah. that's ultimately what dumped him off. But right. I can't deny <laughs> influence and, and everything. And, I, you know, you're right about demolition. I, I would argue demolition is like maybe the only team ever that's been main event level like that. Um, yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, it's such a sliding scale, right? Because you could argue the New Day and Usos like modern day are because the Usos are so evolved. But the main event picture now is such a lesser level than it was then. Well, uh, I see the Usos yeah. beating or, or competing with, say, um, uh, Roman Reigns and Drew McIntyre. Yeah, I mean, they are, right? I mean, Jey Uso feuded with Roman Reigns like last yeah, year but, for the world title. But that's such a that, but that's a unique thing based on family. Like it's weird, right? Yeah, like, I know. But I think that's the closest we've got. I'd say the only other closest would be like the Dudleys, um, in like the early two thousands when you'd have yeah. tags, and then Edge and Christian and the Hardys. Like when you would have tags with the Rock and the Dudleys versus Triple H and Edge and Christian or something like that on Raw. Like those guys never felt overmatched to me. No. Um, 
So I think that's the, the only other close call you could say outside of built tag teams like Austin Michaels or whatever. Yeah, those are the Bulldog and Owen. Um, but to me, like, yeah, Demolition is likely to be the number one in that row. It's it's a shame because it, it's a it's a thing that they don't take advantage of enough in that the best tag team should be on par with the best or, or be able to beat the two best superstars. Or very close because they're used to working as a team. Like, I think it's a good out to beat your your top guys if you need to. Right. Agreed. And that happened a lot in that. That's why I think the 2000s is probably the closest it came. Because there were times where the Dudleys would go one-on-one with The Rock or Edge of Christian. And they'd win the match, you know. Um, actually, I just watched. It was a, a been kind of thrown on the 99 Raws while uh, passing out and stuff or pay-per-views. And there's a uh, match where the Acolytes beat Kane in attack and two on one. Right. So like that era is probably the closest they came to being willing to beat single stars with tag teams. Oh, okay. And that's pre APA. That's like October 99, like pure, just acolytes. Right. And yeah. Kane's a big deal in 99. So of course. Okay. So who's your 96? 96. Cut him. All right, you're hurting me with all these cuts, but I understand. He one, two, three, four, five. He dropped 13 spots mm-hmm. from my list last year. And that's Yokozuna. I couldn't have the list without Yoko. Um, and it's funny because I found last time we both kind of had Yoko and you're probably like, I put him higher, but you were probably higher on him than I was. I had him at 97 last time. Yeah. But you like, it was me. It was always kind of begrudging. He was on the list. Right. Uh, but now when I've gone back and watched his stuff, I I think his run is quite good. Mm-hmm. He's champion for almost a year, uh, which is extremely rare for a heel to do. I guess not so much now with Roman Reigns. <laughs> right. Um, but like at the time, you know, I, I really like the match with Brett at WrestleMania nine. Yep. Every time I watch it, it gets better. Like I, mm-hmm. and maybe that's on Brett, but I think Yoko is really good at holding up his end of it too. Oh yeah. Um, I like the match with Luger. I think it just has a shit finish. Mm-hmm. Like I think the, the finish is the problem there. Um, I would still contend that Yoko probably shouldn't have been champion. That's always been my contention about 93 is that I think they should have just put the rocket on heel Luger. But I think he does well in everything. And although he's got some shit in there too, like I don't really like the casket match with Undertaker, although it is memorable. I guess it is a jump up that he murdered Mm -hmm. Undertaker. Um, You know, he he was such an incredible, uh, important character in this era too. And even his 96 stuff, although it's short, like it's interesting and different. So I want yeah, to give him Vader. Some... Plus, I mean, the, the team with Owen is really good, too. Oh, yeah. You see, I, you know, it's one of those things I always just kind of forget about that. he, Like I was like, oh, he was gone from 94 to 96. Mm-hmm. No, no, no. He was. He was teaming with, yeah. That's it. So, yeah, I, I got love for Yokozuna. Um, the, like, you know, probably last time I was too much in the work rate men, men, uh, mentality. Like I was like, no, he can't make the list because his matches aren't all that good or whatever. But like he's just such an imposing presence that I wanted to give him some some love. Yeah, yeah, he's close for me. He's you know I didn't in that honorable mention group. He's he's still pretty high on there, so didn't drop too far from me. I think I had him at like 101 actually. So mm. 101C after <laughs> Shamrock and. <laughs> uh, all right, 95, uh, a new arrival. She was not on my list last time. That's Bianca Belair. And uh, a great character. She had a great series of stuff on NXT. And then I just love her match at Mania with Sasha Banks that main evented. It was a super jump up moment, super memorable moment, big time crossover moment. And she delivered in that match. She was excellent in that match. They did her very dirty at SummerSlam with the Becky Lynch return, which I thought was crap. And she's kind of petered a bit, a little bit stalled. But she's going to be a character I think that's around for a while, deserves to be around for a while. Should be a premiere competitor for them um and someone they build around honestly going forward so she's got everything they would want um you know she's a tremendous role model tremendous look great worker great personality um obviously attractive so like there's a lot there to that package that stands out and i would expect in five years to have her much higher up the list just like some of the other female superstars have risen over the last couple years for us yeah i'm not feeling bianca Belair. like and and um, I totally get why a lot of people do. But for mm-hmm. me, there's something that just doesn't work yet. I find that she's really great in the Royal Rumbles. Yeah. Especially her first one. I, I mean, her second one was OK, too. But I thought she was really interesting. Uh, was it 2019? Yeah. No. No, it was 2020. The 2020 Royal Rumble where she showed up. I thought she was actually one of the best parts of that that women's match. Mm-hmm. 
I really dug her there. I didn't like the run as much as 2021. Um, I like the match with Sasha Banks. I, I, I guess I'm just I'm just not as connected to some as some people, which I totally right. get, right? Uh, but yeah, I don't know. Like, there's something. So I, I just think there's such a huge divide between the horsewomen and a couple of the Japanese women, and then everyone else on the roster. Right. And it, but for now, she's still in that everyone else <coughs> in the roster for me. Now she could move up. I do like her. I think she's there, there's something interesting about her. I don't like the hair, like, and the using of it. I know it's unique and different, but there's just something about it that I don't know. Like, I, I there's just it feels like an aesthetic thing that is that, that bothers me. But um, that hair whip at Manny is disgusting, though. I, it, it is disgusting. I, I don't know what it is. There's just something not clicking mm. there for me, and that's why I she's... will say like it was that like that for me for a bit, honestly. Um, through some of the NXT stuff, but the more I watched, and then the media match really won me over, and the Rumble stuff, and I just think, I just think she's gonna be a big part of the the promotion. So, I wanted to be the guy that had her on the list and not ah, Adam. I'd be ahead of the curve. I agree, she's gonna be a big part of the promotion. I remember we were talking in 2020, you and me, mm-hmm. and you were saying like, oh, she should just be added to the Charlotte Rhea Ripley match at, at right. Mania. And at the time, I was like, what the like, what, why? Like, I, I didn't get it at all, like at all, at all. But I definitely see the intangible star power there, and I think she's someone who could grow on me. Like, right. for instance, at the beginning, I hated Bailey. Correct. Yes. Like, I was like, ugh, like, what is this character? And so, and now, like, I, not just her heel run, I, I think she's, well, we'll talk about her way down the list. Mm-hmm. But, but, you know, so uh, there's definitely potential to grow there. Just, it's just not there yet. Yeah. I'm going to be ahead on this one instead of behind. That's my goal. Eh. I'm going to be on the wrong side of history. Um, so my number 95 is uh, someone who dropped 13 spots on my list. A guy, when, another guy who I'm like, why don't I take him off? But he has to make the list. And that's Jerry the King Lawler. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I have him at 89. We're not that far off. I mean, yeah. look. No great matches. Like, not one. In, unless you want to count the Bret Hart match, I think. Yeah, um, well, SummerSlam 93. Yeah, that's um, what I mean. For sure, yeah. And then I, even the Miz. The Miz stuff is close. It's good. It's it, um, an integral character in so many great moments mm-hmm. um you know and, and you know just that scoundrel heel that you love to hate too like just yeah. a, a really great performer i think he's a great performer i just think he's saddled with so much bad stuff right that it's it's hard to kind of boost him really any higher on the list and i just feel that in wwf we never got the best of jerry lawler in terms of uh in ring work I do think that like there's probably a world in which he probably could have fought Miz at WrestleMania for that title instead of at uh, the February pay-per-view. And I think it would have been totally legitimate. And, you know, they could have even made him champion in a moment, I think. But that being said, I, I can't put him any higher. Um, but I wanted to give Jerry some love because I do love the King. Uh, and I just wish there was more great King in the WWF. Yeah, I would agree. Um, I just think they were never interested in it. And... Mm. By the time maybe they could have used him in that role, like he was probably a bit washed, you know, like to to all of a sudden in the mid 2000s start having to be a top face. It would have had yeah. to be out of the gate. But there's a brief glimpse in 93 where the potential was there to really build him as a top heel. I just think they felt like they had more of a gap on commentary and they wanted him to be there. But yeah. like he feels like a completely different person. You know, like we're watching the Rumble stuff, right? So like his 93 Rumble, he feels like a legit heel threat in that match right like more yeah. so than just like king commentator being thrown in a rumble um he was supposed to fight if you you know originally believe the card it was supposed to be him and tenru at wrestlemania 9 like that could have been a cool moment that he never ended up getting and then he attacks bret hart and destroys him at king of the ring okay well here we go he's gonna have a big feud with brett and then i think what happened was the uh lawsuit and all that at the end of the year really derailed him and by mm. the time he comes back He's really just like a commentator. And I think what didn't help was putting him with Piper. It felt like an old man feud. In yeah, that was terrible. And then from there, it's like he's into goofy shit again, right? Like he's he's doing the kiss my foot. Uh, he's got the da- the doink stuff. Like so, so he just quickly devolved into comedy slash like yeah scoundrel that just gets his shit pushed in whenever he has to actually step in the ring like warrior 96 undertaker you know like he's and then he does the stuff with yank him so like he just becomes more of like the clown by that point um but he does he is active a lot more than you would think 
into 98 when he becomes the voice of the Attitude Era. But even then, he's still got moments after that that pop um, on and off, like when he was kind of become the face that would bow up when needed to stand up to the RTC or to stand up to Miz, stand up to Cole. Um, if that Cole match, right, if he just kills him at Mania, that all goes differently too, right? Yeah, if he just pile drives him like a bunch of times and pins him and we never see Cole again. I know he, he'd be like number one on my list if he got rid of Cole forever. Yeah, I think I, I think it's astute that you point out the um, the lawsuit because I think what happens is is that he so you know he, Brett when he comes back Brett's the champion mm-hmm. and and that should be his natural feud but Brett's just involved in so much other shit that there's right. just no place for him. Right. I mean now he's into the heavy Owen stuff and like you have all the other family pieces so you're not going to put King with Owen right so he almost just becomes the mouthpiece of the feud instead of an active member of the feud. Yeah. Um, no, I think it would have gone that way anyway. Probably like Brett probably beats him in Survivor Series and moves on. <laughs> and like, like the, I think they start the Owen shit anyway, probably. But maybe he does. Maybe they find something for him to do coming off of that more than they did. Right. Um, right. Yeah. Just I feel like there's that window in 93 where it felt like the king from Memphis coming in to be a player. And it just quickly shuts. But yes, he's done enough and enough of an indelible character and piece of the program. And I know we're not really focus on commentary but he's such a presence and voice of the attitude and face of the attitude era um him and him and jr really walked us through the hottest time in company history so and he was good at it yeah i mean like, again rewatching 99 like you almost forget how good him and jr were because they become such caricatures later that but during that stretch they were so locked in yeah so okay oh we already talked about my 94 that was xavier woods okay my 94 we already talked about too which is kane Okay. All right. 93 uh, guy again that had a bit of a drop my list. He was at 74. So you can see a thread. Like I have a lot of these older guys that were in that yeah. 70s range. I don't know the 90s, but I think he had to be on here just for influence and a couple of jump up moments. I think his run just wasn't long enough to justify being higher anymore. And that's the dynamite kid. Um, oh, obviously the Bulldogs are quite well regarded. You have them a lot higher. I've been having him on the list. Oh, he's not on your list. Okay. I think no. he, I, to me, they had to be on there just for the, the Bulldogs being such a major team in the mid eighties, the foils of the Har foundation. He's got the big moment at WrestleMania two, Ozzy Osbourne. And he's such an influence on guys to come for better or worse in later years. Uh, but one of the, the greatest gymnastic tag team of all time, Captain Lou Albana would say, I think there's just enough there, even in those, that couple year stretch that he deserves to be recognized on here as a major player in the golden era of the tag teams. And the British Bulldogs are such a well-regarded team. All the matches with the Har foundation that they had yeah i can totally see that rationale for putting him on i think as we as i go through deeper into my list i think what became clear was that like i was i was because we did a tag team list i stopped rewarding tag team stuff as much right i know we talked about the new day but new day is all guys also who branched out into other things yeah and while dynamite didn't like it he was not like in a night heart right where like he'd have no shot on his own like He's got enough like random singles matches with Bret Hart and shit like it. Like, yeah, you know, he would have been a star as a solo act. He was just too too much of an asshole and too broken down by the time it would have came. So, yeah. like, I don't ding him as much. Um, he's, he's like a richer man's marginetti, I guess, for me at this point. Right. Like, I, like, hmm. I, you know, he could be a good singles act. It's not because he was in a tag team where there are guys like that. We're in like no. a Darso, like an anvil that, yes, I'm not going to reward them for being in a great tag team. I just think Dynamite was a great enough worker that the tag team thing isn't like a piece of it. Right. Well, that makes total sense. Yeah. My number 93, uh, probably the person who dropped the, the most on my list. I dropped him 48 spots. Uh, my 93 is Gold Dust. Yeah. Uh, he's a little bit higher for me, but he had a big drop for me as well. But he's in like the low se- uh, high 70s for me. I don't know what we were thinking last time. Will, the will, will I am. <laughs> Yeah, it was the Will I Am effect. Um, yeah, I a guy who I feel needs to be on the list because mm-hmm. he's such an interesting, memorable character. Um, but there's, are there any good Gold Gold Dust singles matches? No, he's the guy that solely lives on the moments and the jump up, the memorability, the character. Like he hits all the other categories. And he really was, um, you know, Chad and I hit this hard on Wrestling Warzone early 96. He was really one of the key workhorses of that era of WWF. Like, if you look at our MVP list for, like, all of 96 Raw, like, 
he eats up a ton of those. He's easily one of the best parts of that show through right. like the first half of the year, like promo um, interaction, the stuff with the undertaker, the stuff with warrior, the stuff with razor stuff with Ahmed. Like those are all huge moments. And yes, it didn't deliver in the ring, but he's similar to old school undertaker where I feel like the character was never aimed to be great in the ring. Cause he had to do so much of the character stuff. That doesn't mean he couldn't, he shouldn't have still had some great matches, but um, I think he just worked in a style that was meant to be methodical mind game plotting um, and hard hitting versus like really airing it out. Like he did as the natural. And I think he got so enveloped in that he got lost in it. Um, You know, he he does have some really good, a lot of good tag stuff with book dust with Cody later and that's fine. Right. And so I think those matches are enough to keep him buoyed to the list along with all those jump up moments, character moments. Um, You get the stuff with him. And the king at the end of 96, right, where he turns. Yeah. Uh, he, you know, obviously has the, some of the tough stretch with, with Hunter. Those aren't great matches. But there are a lot of big moments in there, too. China's debut and all that's part of that. I'd say well. their Mania match is actually pretty good. Yeah, like, but, that's fine. He's a big part of Canadian Stampede. Yes, he's probably the weakest link, but whatever. The Pillman feud is memorable. The artist formerly known as Golda stuff is memorable. I do like the match of Vader at Royal Rumble. So, like, th- there's a lot of good stuff in there, memorable moments in there. Um, enough yeah. to definitely deserve a spot on the list. Yeah, exactly what you said. He's buoyed by like the tag stuff and like, but but he he can't climb because of all the bad stuff. Like it, it's always gonna keep him right. like at, at that at, at around this level because there's just not. And I remember listening to Will at the time. It was all mm-hmm. about how great a worker he was. So mm-hmm. I, and rewatching now, it's like, well, I you know I just don't agree, right? Like maybe maybe I'm missing something. It's almost sad. That by the time he gets out of all the mind game stuff, right, like and is able to kind of unleash and and have great matches, they're just not willing to give him any sort of time and space on the show. Right. Like, I mean, look, the, the, the perfect example is like is like him wanting to do the feud with Cody. Right. And then so they. You know, they give them what, like 10 minutes on like a February show where Cody's still stardust, right? And it's it's right. garbage. It's just a garbage match. And then a year later, he's even older and he has this crazy match with Cody, like, <laughs> you know, which is, I, I, I mean, I, that's probably mm-hmm. close to a five-star match for me, right? So like, it's not like he's not capable. It's just he wasn't given the opportunity. So I don't- They didn't see a, him in that role anymore. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of guys on this list that are there just because I don't think they're given the opportunities. And I think he's one of them. Yeah, and he deserves to be on it. I think we had him high, but if we, we added a bunch of guys too. So I think it's, yes, we overranked him, but also others have yes. passed him, which is fine. It's been five years worth of additions and looking back, and that's fine. Like, But he is still one of the greatest 100 that they've ever had. For sure. And it's five years where NXT's been a thing. Correct. So you're going to get a ton of guys just off that. Mm-hmm. All right, my 92 is my second female competitor. That's Trish Stratus. I had her at 93 last year, so I actually moved her up one. Uh, I just think she is the initial, like, real early trailblazer for what we have today. And the first to transition from being TNA, fitness model, meant to just go out there and, oh, we can make anyone a women's wrestler just to get it on the show, doing bra and panties and this and that, to actually putting the time in to learn the craft and make herself more than that and make herself the first real recognizable women's worker. And look, there were ones before her, right? Luna Vachon and Ivory and stuff, but really the first to transcend. Yes. (laughs) Really the first to transcend to that next level and be both for them, which they didn't have before. They never had like the hottest woman on the show also being like the top worker on the show. And it wasn't by default. And it starts in late 02. It actually starts in early 02, a little bit glimpses with jazz and then it really creeps in when she has the feud with Victoria and then eventually with Lita and the stuff with Jericho and Christian becomes one of the top heels on the program in, in 04 and uh, just completely owns that character. And even her comeback stuff, the little spurs she's had has been really good too. Stuff with Snooki and all that at WrestleMania um, and even the match she had at Evolution. So like there's comeback stuff too. Charlotte, where she holds, match of Charlotte's holds. good. Yes, it's great. So it's like there's so much really good stuff in there. And I think she easily deserves to be recognized on here as a top 100 um, just for all the work she put into trailblazing that division and taking it from being 
a sideshow to being legit. And I'm not saying it was overnight because even when she leaves, we have another bunch of years of it being like, yeah, Kelly gets four minutes. Right. But at least made them start to position them as workers and not just gravy matches and brown panties matches and, you know, being that kind of goofy, Hervina, right. And shit like that. Yeah. Like they took it to being like, okay, the women can main event raw, which her and Leah to do. Right. So sure. And that I wasn't mean, the even first, when you think of that WrestleMania 22 match with Mickey James, like that, that's a main event level match right there. And the crowd reaction right. plays that out. Yep. Um, so I didn't have her five years ago and now I have her and she's not in my bottom 10 here. Okay. Right. So like, she's someone who upon further reflection, I was like, ah, oh, like I really got to make place for her. And then I kept bumping her ahead of guys. So we'll get to her in a little bit. My 92 is someone who's dropped 15 spots in my <laughs> list hanging on. And I'm he's of the guys in the bottom 10. He's the one that I'm struggling to find a reason to keep. And that's Booker T. Mm. And I, I mean, so we talked about Goldust, how like Goldust, by the time he was like, you know, by the time he was like able to go because the, the restraints of the character were off, um, you know, he what didn't give him the opportunities anymore. I find Booker T is like kind of the mirror of that. Right. In that he always was given lots of opportunities and the matches are just never there. And I love his WCW run. Yep. Like I really, I love him as the TV champ. I love his work up the card. I love him winning the world title. I think his matches are interesting there. I think he moves with like a, a whole different crispness there that I think isn't in this run at all. Um, so like, it, it's not that I don't like Booker T. I don't like Booker T in the WWE. Yeah. So I had him at 88. So pretty close. Uh, he dropped a decent amount for me too. I had him at 69. Um, very nice spot from last time, but mm -hmm. moved him down here. And I agree. He's not some of the ages super well. Uh, the King Booker character is tremendous and Amazing. he's great at it. But yes, there's not much in ring during that stretch. He's, he's one of those guys where I always peg as like, a two and three quarters guy, right? Like, yeah. Um, where maybe like a Jarrett type of guy, right? Where like, he's very few times as he pop above that, but he also doesn't pop below it too often either. He's just always like a very solid in-ring worker, but you never, you know, coming in, like you're not going to get like a great match. And, and that's like a post Oh three thing. Probably like, I think he does pop above that a little bit early on. Um, but I just, I think he just changes his style probably to protect himself a bit. And maybe it's after that Oh three, stretch where he hurts his back a bunch. I may just like chose to start working a little safer. I'm not sure, but um, there's a moment there where he had a chance to really be something in 03 yeah. and they just didn't want to make the choice to go that route. That's one and, way of putting it. Yeah. <laughs> so from that point on, yes, he's just very much settled into upper mid card gatekeeper until they give him a run too late. And that's like a symptom of that era. Like, yeah. RVD, Mysterio, Booker, like all these guys finally got their chance when the bigger names dissipated and that's all they had left. Right. And so like a lot of those guys get their chance in 05, 06, where they were the hottest in like a one Oh two, but the, the rosters are so packed and they weren't willing yet to make that move. Yeah. That's the story of the two thousands right there. Mm -hmm. And, and I, I believe that's the story of the slow decline in terms of ratings and popularity also. Do you I mean, think he, do you think without the King, is he on your list? No. Yeah. Because what you said is really like, you're right. He's like a two and three quarter star guy. Right. But like, I don't want to, here's the, here's the problem is that I don't want to see a two and three quarter star 15 minute match. Correct. Yeah. And that's what they all are. Right. Like I'd rather watch a five minute one star match than a 15 minute two and three quarter star match. Right. And we're going to be talking about a SummerSlam 07 match shooting on PTB. Um, and then match shocks. Like, I mean, I know Booker's on his way out the door and Triple H just has come back from injury, but like that to me is like a synopsis of just like where things go. And if it wasn't for the character work during that time, it definitely would be much tougher shape. Like, you know, Batista's kind of on fire in 07, but right before that in 06, he's having these stinkers of Booker, right? Yeah. And do you think, so, so consequently though, do you think if he wins that title in 2003 and has a decent run, he's higher on the list? It depends what they do with him. Yeah. I mean, if he wins at 19 and keeps it to like the summer, summer, the summer slam or something like the that, like, 
Maybe. It's just, it's so tough because the real path is Goldberg winning at SummerSlam. I mean, you kind of need Triple H to be champion. It's it's tough. It's it's like you want to ding them, and we'll be tracking this on Ruthless Aggressive Podcast. You know, Jake's on that every other Tuesday that he's getting yeah. into 03 soon. So I'm curious to see how some of this stuff holds up. But, yes, yeah, Steiner, you could have pulled the trigger on. RVD, Kane, Booker. Like, there's all these guys. But would any of them have been better than Goldberg winning at SummerSlam? I, I, I don't know. You know, I don't know. It's the problem is they don't do any of them. So it's yeah. it's hard to say. But, like, I don't know if Booker winning at 19 and losing it back in, say, June helps him or makes the Goldberg thing not as impactful. Does Goldberg need to beat Triple H? Why? The the allure of the Goldberg character, right. it, it's, it's not that he's, like, the heel slayer. I mean, I think it was legitimizing back then for him to beat Hogan, right? Because it's Hulk Hogan and Goldberg is is nothing, right? Not that he's nothing, but you know what I mean. But like at this point, he's a big enough star on his own that just him challenging for the title is probably enough. Yeah, but if Booker's a face, like what are you doing? But they did stuff like that often at that point, didn't they? Yeah, I mean, I guess you could still do the chamber. So Booker goes into SummerSlam. <laughs> um as champion, but Triple H eliminates him. Yeah, right away. Yeah, and then Goldberg marches through him at the end. Yeah, and then Booker doesn't have the stench of like, of um, of like the choker, right? Correct. Yeah, yeah, I think maybe that's the path to go. Anyway, I wish he was higher. Like, I love the King Booker. Like, even when he first came over, I remember being excited about him. But I, I can't. Right. Okay, so that was your 92, right? Yeah, last ones today. All right, here we go. So my 91 is a man who was at 84 on my last list. I uh, kept him around, though, and that's a honky-tonk man. Oh. You, you have him? Yeah, higher, though. Okay. Yeah, I think he means more to you than me. We could probably not spend a ton of time on him right now. Sure. I, I just, you know, by the time I really became a fan and started watching, he was washed, right? So, like, I wasn't as dialed in during his peak run. I do appreciate him a bit more after re- diving into like 87 MSGs and all that. Like he's got some legit great stuff with Steamboat and Savage that he's a part of. He's not carried, but he just goes off the cliff so dramatically as the calendar turns to 88. I don't know what it is. Like yeah. the matches suddenly turn and they suck. And um, I don't know if he just started breaking down, if he just wanted to get lazy and rely on the character. I have no idea, but it's a dramatic drop from where he was. But there's a little stretch in there post when he wins the IC belt pre 88, where he's having some really good stuff that he's a heavy participant in part of Plus he's got the big jump up moment, WrestleMania three, uh, beating steamboat. And of course, SummerSlam 88, uh, mm-hmm. it's just the match quality. Otherwise isn't really there. Yeah. I mean, if, if you're, if you want a nice, easy, um, viewing of how good he can be, I would say, go back and watch the 87 survivor series. He's sneaky. Good in that match. Number one in terms of riling up the crowd, but there's also this, he's got some really interesting kick to his work there that I, I think kind of gets unnoticed because it's such a fast paced match, but he's, he's really good in it. So yeah, he definitely means more to me. We could talk about him more when he comes up on my list if you'd like, but, um, yep. but yeah, he's, he's, he's higher for me. My 91, a guy, a guy who dropped 29 spots and he's only on the list because of one match and that's JBL. Yeah, I have him uh, at 90, actually, so. Okay. Well, do you want to wait till next time? <laughs> no, we can talk about him. Save us some time uh, next time. Um, so JBL, where where to begin? Like, he's on the list for the Cena-I Quit match. I think that's what tethers him to the list. I think he's an interesting character, but a character, we've talked about this ad nauseum. Mm-hmm. He's a character that was pushed too hard too fast. I think his accolade work is pretty good. I think his, uh, I actually quite like him as Justin Hawk Bradshaw Mm -hmm. when he first comes in, but I think he's just part of too many things that aren't good. And, 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 and by the end, he's a character that's like, okay, just please get him off the TV. I think he's similar in a lot of ways to Booker. I think it's a good comp to have them so Mm -hmm. close to each other, uh, in that like great characters, the title run is driven by character work that is not ever really escalating past a certain point in the ring. Um, but JBL does have the the five-star match with Cena, which carries him a little bit higher. Uh, I'm a big fan of the JBL character, like during that title run. And we've talked about it. Yes, ad nauseum, right? They, they pushed it too hard, too fast. 
and they should have done a more organic build. But maybe they felt like they had to do something dramatic to, to really make him get over it. I don't know. I think a work up the U.S. title to world title in 04, 05 would have been better because by the time he really clicks at the end of the year, his reign is about to end. So, And the U.S. And title would have made sense given right. his anti-immigrant sentiments. Yeah, yeah, it really would have. But... Um, yeah, I've just always dug the character. I think he's had enough of an impact. He's been a part of enough big things. And the APA can't be overlooked, like, as how hot of an overact. I don't know everyone was over in 2000, but, like, they were super over for a stretch there. Like, they're always pounding ass. I mean, those shirts yep. were, like, everywhere. The music. And I know a lot of it was on Simmons and, like, his spybusters and stuff. But, like, JBL was big, too, with the clothesline from hell. All those skits backstage. Like, that was a huge part of a very successful era that he deserves some credit for as well. Yeah, exactly. I I think, too, with the JBL character, like, I didn't get SmackDown at the time. So I think it's, it's almost like a reverse Honky Tonk Man situation with you and I. Right. Yep. Okay. That's All right, you want to talk? It is. You want to give a quick synopsis of North-South for anyone who's just listening the first time? Yeah, I mean, listen, try to give a, a listen to everything that's going on in the North-South Connection Podcast Network. There's stuff dropping every single day. Uh, and a lot of the stuff is evergreen too. So like, you know, if you're if you're a bit of a lapsed fan, it's okay to jump on board. And you know, you can relive the Ruthless Aggressive era with Jake Williams. You could uh, relive ECW with you, Souza, and uh, Jenny Smith. Uh, if, you, if you're interested in new stuff, you could jump on board with, you know what that means, which is Jordan Duncan and Andrew Reich, go, Andrew Reich going through AEW. If you like the new stuff, after every show, Marcus and Tim break it down on Viewer's Choice. So there's always something for almost every taste. All our shows are put together by super passionate people they all do a fantastic job they're all worthy of your ears uh so give it a give it a listen give it a a subscribe rate us and if you have anything you want us to change let us know let us know what we're doing right uh north south connection dropping stuff every single day all right so in next month we'll hit number 90 to 81 in a couple weeks we'll be back continuing our uh, ranking and reviewing of every WF world title change, so stay tuned for that. Plus, now we're doing the Rumble every other Monday with Aaron and I as well. So, lots of cool stuff. We're heading toward Mania season. Always a fun time to be doing wrestling podcasts and wrestling content. So, sure to tune in and start doing your research. You can also partake in this project toward the end of the year to submit your list, start doing some research. Hopefully, you can use our list to help you craft yours as well as you go through. So, the Dookie's been dropped. We'll talk to you in a couple weeks. Tony Sunshine, please, Gunton and Coro.